A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Because the New Testament is utter horse it's created by a bishop and a an emperor. That's a fact. That's like established religious fact. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. It's like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you witness me. I'm asking you to brush his hair. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 122. I'm your host, Norm, The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. The Master's Dog is a podcast I do that is just uh, what the introduction says. When God's truth is attacked, I bark. Uh, and, you know, and I would be a coward if I did not speak out when people are actively attacking God's truth. This podcast started out as what was called Faith and Beliefs Refuted, and I was just simply responding to videos put out by the Saints Unscripted podcast, formerly known as the Three Mormons. They started a segment called Faith and Beliefs, where they started with the LDS Articles of Faith, and I wanted to respond to each one of those as they laid them out, which is what their belief. I wanted to point out how this was not Christian, how it didn't fall in line with with biblical Orthodox Christianity, what made them heretical, what made them a false pseudo-Christian cult. Um, I, I really, and honestly, I'm the guy that really doesn't like to use the word cult with Mormonism anymore. It's, it's a full-blown religion. Started out as a cult gained its way just like Islam did. It started out as a cult under Muhammad, grew into a religion, but I digress. Um, So they continued on after the Articles of Faith, and I said, you know what, I'm going to respond to every one of these videos until they stop doing these videos. Couple, about a year and a half into this whole thing, I decided I really want to expand this to dealing with other false teachers as well, not just Mormonism, not just Saints Unscripted, but whatever comes up. And so I've done a few podcasts on like Furtick and Osteen and stuff like that. Started a segment of this podcast called The False Teacher of the Week, which I just released an episode earlier today on Joe Rogan. So, um, and renamed it to The Master's Dog to where I could deal with all kinds of things, whether they be apologetics um, bad teaching, you know, whatever pops up in the, the news cycle at the moment, I will do that. Also still responding to every one of the saints unscripted, uh, faith and beliefs podcast, because that was a commitment that I made. And today we are continuing on with that commitment. So we've had a lot of new subscribers. That's why I want to keep giving, uh, info, the, the background on the podcast, uh, you know, as, as, subscribers uh plateau out i won't do that every single time uh we start an episode but um this week we are back into oh sorry all discombobulated 
I owe those new subscribers to those of you who have liked the videos, shared the videos, commented on the videos. Any interaction you make with these videos makes the algorithm send it out further and further to people who want to, who might be interested in seeing these videos. So as you like and share, more people come along and are able to be news uh, watchers, as some of you may be. And if you would, please hit that subscribe button, hit the notification button, get all the content that I release here on the Evangelical Norm channel on YouTube, as long as YouTube allows. Uh, I fully expect at some point in time to go the way of Steven Crowder and uh, Fight, Laugh, Feast and those guys and get banned at some point in time because I'm going to say something Facebook doesn't like. And then at that point, we'll pop up over on Rumble or maybe go back to Gab TV. One of those... Any of those places, uh, I have all of the videos are, are saved. We can repost re those anywhere where we need to. Some places it's just harder to post than others. So all that being said, uh, we are now into our next episode, which is dealing with, uh, they're, they're starting to get into talking about Joseph Smith's polygamy. Um, so as they do these videos, these faith and beliefs videos, some of them I find absolutely, actually are helpful to respond to some I'm like you know what I'm only responding because I committed to do so some of this stuff is just really not uh, a, just a moot point it doesn't really make any difference whether we deal with it or not um, but today's is a little interesting because we get to see the beginning of Joseph Smith and the practice of polygamy in the early LDS church but we also get to see some of the ways that as they make videos as they put these things the public relations aspect of it the way they deal with the controversy and the spin that they have to do to really make it seem like they can possibly be mainstream christians so uh, with all that we are going to jump in here we are going to let david do what david does and take us through uh, this first information about joseph smith's first plural wife Fanny Alger or Alger or something like that. Hey everyone, today we're going to talk about Joseph Smith's marriage to his first plural wife, Fanny Alger. Plural marriage has not been practiced by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for well over a hundred years now, but people still understandably have lots of questions about it. So again, he's got to make that statement. Oh, well, it's not practiced anymore. Reality is... It's practiced in eternity. There are many LDS men today that are sealed to multiple women who will be their wives, their polygamous wives, in eternity. Just a little side note. Of this subject. We've published a bunch of other videos on our channel that dive into different aspects of plural marriage, so feel free to check those out. But one of the major challenges with this topic in general, and especially in the case of Fanny Alger, is that the historic record simply does not give us very many pieces of the puzzle. None of the sources that have been discovered thus far that tell us about the relationship between Joseph and Fanny are first-hand sources. And most of the information we have about this relationship was given more than 30 years after. Hey everyone, today oh, we're going to talk sorry. about Joseph Smith's P 
pieces of the puzzle. None of the sources that have been discovered thus far that tell us about the relationship between Joseph and Fanny are first-hand sources, and most of the information we have about this relationship was given more than 30 years after the events being described. And as you'd expect, some sources contradict each other. So what we're essentially doing is trying to fit together the edge pieces of a puzzle and then guessing what the middle looks like. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Understand that almost all of the dates and details we're going to talk about today are debated. That said, let's dive into this and see what we can figure out. And so again, as we look at this and we talk about this, we're, I'm not really, I'm going to look at this from a theological aspect, not the historical. I really don't care any of the, the particulars of Joseph Smith's marriage to Fanny Alger, <coughs> except for the fact that she was 14 years old. But we also have to take ourselves back to 1860s or 18, 1840s. And Joseph wasn't alive in the 1860s. I believe he was killed in 40-something. But we have to take ourselves back into that time period and understand that it was not uncommon for 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds to get married. Uh, so the whole issue of Joseph Smith being a pedophile, he may have been. But we're not going to deal with that on that kind of, of sin level because, again, there were lots of, I mean, 15-year-old boys and 14-year-old girls were getting married back during that time because, again, different culture, different lifestyles, different attitude about age of consent and so on. Mary Elizabeth Rollins reported that Joseph was first instructed by an angel in 1834 to restore the Old Testament practice of plural marriage, though there is evidence that Joseph was aware of the future practice as early as 1831. Fanny Alger was born in September 1816 and would later live with and do housework for Joseph and Emma Smith in Kirtland, Ohio, probably between 1834 and 1836, but again, dates are debatable and some argue for an earlier date. The date of Joseph and Fanny's marriage is also debated. Eight of the 20 documents discussing the marriage provide dating information, with four indicating it occurred as early as 1833 and four supporting a marriage two years later. Despite the inconsistencies, an 1835 or even 1836 date seems most likely. Fanny would have been 18 or 19 years old at the time. Joseph did not directly approach Fanny with a proposal. Instead, he used Levi Hancock, Fanny's uncle, as an intermediary. Levi proposed the idea to Fanny's parents and then to Fanny, everyone was cool with it, and Levi performed the marriage ceremony. Now, while Fanny and her family consented to the marriage, Emma, Joseph Smith's wife, did not. She actually had no idea about the relationship. William McClellan reported in 1872, long after leaving the church, that one night she, Emma, missed Joseph and Fanny Alger. She went to the barn and saw him and Fanny in the barn together alone. She looked through a crack and saw the transaction. Holy nightmare, Batman, could it be? I don't know. Now, what exactly was this transaction that Emma witnessed? We don't know for sure. Some people think the statement implies sexual relations, but it could have been any sign of affection, or it could have even been the marriage ceremony itself. In fact, McClellan apparently retold this story a few years later to B.H. Beadle. Beadle said, McClellan also informed me of the spot where the first well-authenticated case of polygamy took place, in which Joseph Smith was sealed to the hired girl. The sealing took place in a barn in the haymow. 
and was witnessed by Mrs. Smith through a crack in the door. But no matter what Emma saw through the barn door crack, having been left in the dark, she was justifiably upset. Joseph, Fanny, the Alger family, the Hancock family, and others believed this to be a legitimate marriage. Emma did not. She thought it was infidelity, plain and simple. Joseph Just to tip my hand, she was right. Joseph called on Oliver Cowdery to help fix things between him and Emma, but Oliver sided with Emma. He later referred to the whole situation as a dirty, nasty, filthy affair. After the relationship was discovered, Emma promptly kicked Fanny out of the house. One second-hand late source implies that Fanny was kicked out because Emma discovered that Fanny was pregnant. However, not a single other source corroborates this account, and not a single child from Fanny has been positively identified as Joseph's. Personally, I don't think she was pregnant, but there's admittedly not much information to go off of. Perhaps she was pregnant and the baby didn't survive to full term. We just don't know. We don't know how much time, if any, elapsed between the marriage ceremony and Emma's discovery. We don't know if Joseph's relationship with Fanny was sexual or not. In any case, after leaving the Smith home, Fanny stayed temporarily with the family of Chauncey and Eliza Webb. The Webbs also believed the union was a legitimate marriage, but the question of whether or not it was an eternal marriage, a ceiling, as we Latter-day Saints put it, is still open for debate. Joseph didn't receive the priesthood authority to perform eternal sealings until 1836. Fanny and Joseph's marriage could have occurred after that time. It could have been a sealing, but it's probably more likely that this was just a four-time only plural marriage performed by priesthood authority. Eliza Webb later wrote, I do not know that the sealing commenced in Kirtland, but I am perfectly satisfied that something similar commenced. It's hard to speak confidently about pretty much any aspect of this relationship because the sources are so scant, late, and contradictory. Perhaps the archives are incomplete. In these situations, what generally happens is that those who believe Joseph Smith was a prophet of God tend to give Joseph the benefit of the doubt and interpret the evidence more favorably to him, while those who believe Joseph was a fraud do the opposite. If you want to dive deeper into this topic and come to your own conclusions, please check out the work of plural marriage expert Brian Hales. He's got a ton of information on his website, but also consider checking out his three-volume book series on the subject where he really gets into the source material and walks you through how historians put these pieces together. While you're at it, check out the resources in the YouTube description of this video. Watch some of the other videos on our channel we've done on plural marriage, and have a great day. So... Um, that kind of, there's a lot to unpack in there. So let's, let's just take a look at it. Um, again, Emma was right that Joseph was being unfaithful. There's nothing in the old Testament that says that polygamy was something that God prescribed and, in, in, in instructed these men to do. We see multiple men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, who are engaged in plural marriage, right? I mean, Abraham, <clears throat> it wasn't really so much plural marriage. It was Sarah said, I don't think I can get pregnant. I'm really not believing what God's going to do. Take my handmaid, Hagar, let her have the child. God said, uh, no, that's not the way I wanted it to be. Um, but now you don't get to just shove Hagar off into the woods, which Sarah wanted to do. <clears throat> you now have to provide for her because you stepped into it, Abraham. Uh, Isaac, you know, with uh, Rachel, 
And then, so trying to think, did Isaac actually have a plural wives? I don't, I don't know. Jacob did. Jacob, uh, four of them became Israel, had 12 sons, um, and was tricked into this. And, and none of this was God going, okay, take Bilhah, take Zilpha, uh, you know, you got tricked into marrying Leah, and then you went ahead and married uh, Rebecca, and am I, am I, 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 I always get Rachel and Rebecca wrong. I should be looking this up. Um, so I don't remember. I'm pretty sure Isaac married Rachel. Jacob married Jacob. I, okay. So Jacob had a bunch of wives, and, but none of them did God say, do this, do this, do this, do this. But then he said, well, you're in the situation. Take care of them. You don't get to shove them off to the side. So now, pastors, if you're dealing in Utah and you bring in a guy that gets saved out of the Kingston polygamy clan, what do you do? Do you say, okay, you have to get rid of these other wives and they're going to go be single moms and fend for themselves? Or are you going to say, okay, dude, you should be married to your first wife and you have to provide for these other women? You have to provide for them. You have to provide for your kids. You have to provide for the women because you drew them in. So here's kind of a thing, but never anywhere does God say you have to take a second wife and nowhere do we see anything where God says your exaltation or salvation or any of these things is dependent on the amount of wives. We see no kind of sealing ceremonies happening in the temple. We don't see any kind of weddings happening in the temple throughout the Old Testament. So the fact that the LDS people want to say, well, the temple was used for... No, we see no example of that. I apologize for the, all the different dings and bings going off. Um, I, I try to use... I try to do do not disturb on half of this stuff, and it just doesn't work. So um, apologies for the uh, distracting noises, and I'm easily you know, distracted. I have ODO... Oh, I have A-D-O-L, A-D-O-S. I can't even say it right. Attention deficit. Ooh, squirrel. Uh, so, um, none of these places do we see where marriage, plural marriage, is required or uh, prescribed by God. Men follow after their sinful nature and get themselves in trouble. David did it. Solomon did it. All the different places where you see that the plural marriages are happening, never is it a good situation in the eyes of God. Never does God go, oh yeah, this is what I wanted. God goes, this is sinful. This is adultery. But now at this point, you've got to deal with it. You've got to provide for these people. You've got to, you know, he, uh, God tolerates it in the different senses where it happens, but never is it anything that God prescribed. Now you're going to, we can get into God being sovereign and all that stuff that happened. Great. Absolutely. We can look at God as sovereign over all these things, but it still is plural marriage is never a prescribed practice. And we see it very rarely in the, actually in the old Testament. I mean, we think there's a lot. I mean, we see, David and Solomon and Isaac or Jacob and Abraham, 
you know, Abraham, Sarah died. He took a second wife. Hagar was never really considered to be his wife. Um, Jacob had uh, two wives and, and then had children with their handmaids. Never did these other two women, does it say that they actually became his wives. So all this situation, but you, you do see Noah only had one wife. We only see, um, you know, instances of like, you know, we don't see actively, you know, anywhere where it says like Methuselah or any of these people, we don't see any of the prophets. I mean, we don't even know how many of the prophets, if they're married or not. Um, but we don't see any of them engaged in plural marriage. Daniel, uh, you know, None of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, any of these other, many of the other kings after Solomon, we don't see them in plural marriages. Um, you know, we didn't see Samuel. Samuel, we, we never even saw him marry. Um, so again, we don't see, it's not like plural marriage is like this, everybody's doing it in the Old Testament. We have examples of people who have done it. And then you get all these false teachers that come along and try to use that as a reason. God made it very clear. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. Never does God say have more than one. Men did it and God tolerated it for whatever reason and he allowed it to happen but it was never uh it was always sinful it was always sinful and then the issue of eternal marriage it is made very clear jesus makes it very clear that marriage does not extend beyond death i will still know my wife is my wife i'm confident that when we go to heaven and i see my wife in heaven i will know she was my wife on earth and i love her I loved her. I'll love her then like I love her now, but our relationship will be different. It will not be a sexual relationship, which is basically the core of the husband-wife relationship. Now, in doing this, again, we, we look at reason, principles and stuff like that. I could have, before I got married, I had a lot of female friends. Once I got married, that tended to fall off. I still had a few. My, most of them were like my wife's friends. But I don't, I don't have female friends, right? And I mean, I have acquaintances and people that I see, I play cards mm-hmm. with on different days and stuff like that. There are women that I would go, hey, I, I know them and I would consider them. But it's not like I'm going to go hang out with them and have any kind of situation because of my one flesh relationship with my wife. I'm not going to go, I mean, you can minister to women, all these different things, but you're not going to have any kind of, the smart man who doesn't want to fall into the folly of David and the folly of Solomon and the folly of Jacob and the folly of Abraham, you know, and these men who did fall into these, these sinful situations, the, the smart man does not do that. He is one flesh with his wife. She is the one whom with, he has a covenant relationship until death. And then, you know, other women and stuff like that. But, you know, follow the Billy Graham rule. Don't be alone in a room with them. Blah, 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 blah. Right. You understand that eternal marriage is not a thing. It's not. Jesus makes it clear in the resurrection. They will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They'll be like the angels. We don't become angels with that, that. Again, that's all this twisted theology stuff that Mormons have. We'll become like the angels in the fact that we will not have marital relationships in heaven. 
and polygamy is always adultery. It's a sin should be repented of. And then, you know, if there are children involved in it and stuff like that, pastors, I have, I do not envy. I've never had to deal with that kind of a situation, but I do not envy those of you who minister in the state of Utah or other places where polygamy happens, Mexico, stuff like that, where you'll get people saved out of fundamentalist LDS religions or other Islam or whatever, where men will come into a situation that they have more than one wife. And now you have to help them walk through this in the way that a Christian man should. Pray for your pastors, y'all. Pray for your pastors who have to deal with this stuff uh, from time to time. And there are men in, in the pulpit and in the, in, in the eldership of churches that have to deal with that. And you need to pray with them. But there you go, guys. Whether Joseph Smith was married, whatever the situation with Fanny Alger was, every one of Joseph Smith's 33 or 34 plural wives was a case of adultery. It was not something that God uh, looked favorably upon, and neither did Emma. And, neither, and, and that should be something that Joseph Smith took into account, too. So thanks for listening, guys. I hope this was helpful. Um, uh, again, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, share this video with your friends. Um, hopefully it doesn't make them mad if you're sharing it with your LDS friends, but hopefully it will be helpful. So uh, thanks, guys, for taking the time. As always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.